1: You and I are characters in a major developing story that will impact our lives profoundly in the next 10 years. The story is changing the definition of everything we know, especially what we define as work, education, and money. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audiobooks. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audible.com audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive, and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest is an early adopter. She already faced doubts and demons about who she is, how she makes a living, and how she shows up in the world. She was a successful investment banker with 20 years of experience as managing director for Wall Street firms. Her skills and expertise contributed to more than $25 billion in sales for those firms. Still, she grew disenchanted with the corporate definitions of work and life. She became a network marketer, an author, an entrepreneur who helps business people to harness the power of networking and strategic follow-up. Her training company is called Power up your follow up. She's also a loving wife, mother, outdoor enthusiast, and an accomplished gourmet cook. I'm honored and excited to introduce Debbie Hoffman to the show. Debbie, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
0: Well, thank you so much, Louis. It's so great to be here.
1: Well, Leah, let's have some fun. I've heard you before and I've heard you speak, and your speaking is always engaging and fun. So I, um, I have this quirky thing, you know, I like to begin at the beginning. So <laughs> I, I'm going to say to you, gee, where were you born?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Long Island, New York. That's where it all began.
1: Long Island, New York. I'm very familiar with it. Did you swim at Jones Beach?
0: I did. I used to go to Jones Beach all the time as a kid. I can't believe you brought that up. That brings back memories.
1: And do you remember as a kid riding the waves at Jones Beach? I do. I do remember that. Yeah, so do do I. And what about that man-eating shark?
0: Never saw the man-eating shark.
1: Neither did I. I just made that up. (laughs) So so Debbie, can, can you describe your early family and family life
0: sure so I was brought up you know in a suburban town in Long Island and my dad actually came from Hungary he uh, escaped Hitler and that was you know obviously a very traumatic time in his life but he actually came from not speaking English at 18 to becoming a you know, pretty successful insurance agent so he was he worked for a company but he was more like an entrepreneur And so I kind of had that influence. And my mom was a teacher. She taught second and third grade. And so we had, you know, I have a brother who's wonderful. We had, you know, a pretty typical life. It was pretty good. My parents, you know, fought all the time and ended up getting divorced. (laughs) Typical, right? Um, But somehow they ended up being really amazing parents to my brother and I. And I think so much of our confidence and who we are today was because they always encouraged us and patted us on the back, and, and they were fabulous parents, even though they were going through a lot of emotional um, distress. And when we, when I went off to college, they finally split up. So they were just kind of waiting for me. So, mm-hmm. but I had a pretty, I had a pretty good childhood despite that. But there was definitely, you know, there were moments.
1: Now, of your parents, who would you say influenced you the most as a child? <sighs>
0: That's an interesting question. Well, I think my dad, in terms of business and work ethic and discipline, I'm very much like him. He was a very uh, disciplined person. He loved to play tennis and swim, and, and, and he had certain things that he did every day in his life, so he was a person of routine, and I think that I've really inherited a lot of that from him. And it could be a good thing, and it can sometimes be not such a good thing. But mostly, it's a very good thing because when I add a new something new into my routine, whether it's personal or business, like I just get it done. I'm just very organized and very um, disciplined. And a lot of my friends who are not envy that in me. So, I, you know, yeah.
1: that that's a big thing actually, because as you know, uh, one of the uh, biggest stumbling blocks for many entrepreneurs is the um, the fact that they're very creative, but they're not uh, organized, and they rebel against structure, uh, I being one of them. And um, without structure and systems, you really can't proceed into higher levels of success. Would you agree?
0: Oh, totally agree. Yeah, that's mm. I'm all about that systems. Totally. Yes, mm. you have to have a strategy, a system, a plan. Yes, for sure. It's critical.
1: I would love to know, because it always intrigues me, people become certain, they make certain choices in life. And very often when you go back and you say, well, when you were a child, did you have a dream of what you wanted to be as a grown-up? And sometimes they do, and sometimes they did, and what they became was totally different. What about you? Did
0: you have a childhood
1: dream of what you wanted to be?
0: Well, you know, I ended up becoming an investment banker, so I did not have a childhood dream of becoming an investment banker. <laughs> but I did know, i later on, I did know that I was up for something really big on this planet, and I didn't know what it was. So it wasn't really a dream of a specific thing that I wanted to be like a doctor when I grew up or whatever. I didn't have that. I just knew that I wanted to make a huge impact and that I was put on this planet to do something really big but it took me a really long time to figure it out mm. but i finally did and i'm so grateful that i did cuz now it's super clear to me
1: did your parents at all have desires for you to become something special or did you know uh, did they have an image of what you should be like you know some parents will say we would love our child to be a scientist or a doctor or whatever
0: you know i was really lucky in that respect cuz there was never any pressure They didn't have that. They didn't have a dream for what my brother and I would become. They, like I said, they were just very supportive of everything that we did, that we excelled in, and they always encouraged us. And so, they let it. They left it to us, which I'm very grateful that they did. So I did not feel any pressure or, you know, to live up to their expectations at all. I Mm. kind of just. But I pursued business at a very early age, and um, you know, they were very proud of everything that I accomplished there for sure. They were always really supportive.
1: That's the most important thing, uh, the support. The support can um, make a person. It can also, the lack of it can undermine them. That's wonderful to hear. Just as a, may I just share with you quickly that I, as a little kid, wanted to be a gangster. And uh, I, instead, <laughs> I became an actor who plays gangsters. It's a little safer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's great. That's great. Now, what attracted you to the corporate world to the world of business
0: well i went to nyu business school well actually what attracted me was i had a boyfriend at the time who was going to nyu and he was studying business and i was at the fashion institute of technology for some crazy reason thinking that i was going to become a fashion designer and i quickly found out that i wasn't good at that so i start i studied fashion merchandising um yeah buying and merchandising because i was already in the school i had to do something and my boyfriend was very influential at the time. I was, you know, 18, I guess. And he said, you've got to come over here. This is an amazing school. And I, I trusted him. And, I, saw, you know, I enrolled and, I mean, I applied and went over there. And that changed my life forever. And back then, the thing to do, graduating from business school at NYU, was to work, on, you know, work for Wall Street companies. That was the thing. And so I didn't know any better. And so I just reached out and... I didn't really go for interviews. I was sort of interviewing them. I was very, not cocky. I wasn't cocky. I was just very confident. I was like, okay, I want to find out more about what this industry is all about. So I'm going to fly out to California from New York and meet all these people and see what I can learn. And I ended up getting two job offers. And that's how the whole thing started.
1: I love that story because what it, what it, no, really what it demonstrates seriously is that when you say I wasn't cocky, I wouldn't call it cockiness. You, without even realizing it then, you just had the right posture, and that posture probably was disarming to the people that you uh, were interviewing with, because they weren't used to it, and so it worked in your favor.
0: Actually, that's so true, and I'll never forget this. The the um my boss who ended up hiring me, I remember sitting there as if it was yesterday saying, I have no idea what this job is or what I'd be doing. I just know I'll do an amazing job at it. (laughs) So that's what I said. Wow. He told me years later that he hired me because I was so confident. I had no clue what the job was and what the business was all about, but I just knew I would do, you know, I would work hard and do a good job and, and he hired me. So confidence is so critical to getting anything in life done, because you can figure it out as you go. If you're confident, then you know you can, you know, figure it out.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think he hired you for another reason. You were authentic and honest. You didn't try to pretend, oh, let me see if I can impress you with the knowledge I have of this enterprise. You just told him, I don't know, you know, and I, that, that's, that's powerful stuff. <laughs> Now, you were a successful investment banker. What price did you have to pay
0: for your success? Does that question make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> looking back, so even today, it's pretty much a man's world. And back then, I was like the only one of the only women doing what I was doing. There was just maybe a few of us. And so that, you know, that was a little challenging. <laughs> It was me and the guys, and so I had a lot to prove, and so there wasn't so much a price to pay, but, you know, the hours were crazy, you know, I had to work New York hours, so I would get up at 3.30 in the morning and get to work by 4.45, you know, it was crazy in terms of the toll it took on my health, so I guess that was the price that I paid, because the hours were so horrible that I was not a healthy person for a really long time. And it was stressful. I mean, I was very successful very early on, but the cost was my health suffered. I was constantly in a practitioner's office, you know, wanting them to fix me. And it was really that I wasn't sleeping enough and I wasn't taking you know as good care of myself as I would have wanted to.
1: You know, I think I came up with that question because I get the impression that since it is a very tough business, could you describe maybe one or two of the psychological battles that you had to fight in order to be successful in that world?
0: Well, because it was, you know, I was pretty much the only woman, I had to constantly prove myself and stand up for myself. And, you know, I was always more uh, into like helping everyone communicate better and a lot more of the touchy-feely stuff and so the guys would like roll their eyes a lot and oh here she goes again but because i was so successful they had to put up with me because they wanted me to stay right so it wasn't that bad really i i had i was with some really great companies and worked with some amazing people i was very lucky and i was respected by you know the upper management and my 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 colleagues and so it really wasn't it really wasn't that bad it was you know i I loved it at the beginning for a long time. I really enjoyed it. And, but it was stressful. I mean, we were doing multi-million dollar deals in a nanosecond. So it, it was, there was a lot of stress and pressure.
1: hmm And that builds character. That's wonderful. What things began to draw you away from a traditional corporate career?
0: Well, when I had my son, I start, and I was picking him up you know, after school you know, from daycare, And I couldn't go to his baseball games. It started just taking its toll on me. And I just wanted to be more a part of his life. And, you know, the moms were all picking their kids up from school and and hanging out with them and doing things with them. And I couldn't do any of that. And so it started to be not so much fun anymore. And so one day I just decided, you know, I want to go on field trips. I want to be more a part of his life. I want to go to all his baseball games. And I quit. I just picked up and quit. (laughs) It was... It was that moment was kind of a scary moment because I left a very high six figure income, but it was the best decision I ever made, and I never look back. It was so fabulous because my son turned out to be an amazing young man, and I know a lot of it's because I was around. I was there. He wasn't getting into trouble. He turned into a really good kid. I actually just dropped him off at the airport. Um, I hadn't seen him after seven months of. Of traveling in Southeast Asia, and he he got to spend a month here, and I just brought him back, so to the airport, so I just look at him and he just has turned into this amazing, amazing guy, and so I know a lot of it's because I was around
1: well, good for you that's a very courageous move um, being a network marketer myself, and we hear many stories of women who were successful in the corporate world. And then they began to be attracted to network marketing because it offered them the flexibility and the time freedom to spend more time with their families. But what I like about your story is you didn't have that second choice. You just quit. You said, that's it. I know where my priorities are. And then it was after that that you discovered network marketing, correct?
0: Actually, no. What happened was I I was introduced to it towards the end of my Wall Street career By a colleague, a guy I worked with. And so I had started with that company and I was doing it part time. And so the plan was once I quit, I would start doing it full time. So I had already started it. There was some momentum. And then I was able to jump in and do it more, more full time.
1: Okay, so um, I'm very happy that I was just wrong. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm also happy that you confirm what I did say that that is the, the journey that, that many women will follow when they discover that, hmm, this job pays wonderfully, but I, it's hurting my family life. And you were one of them. And then, so you went into network marketing. Now, what hurdles did you have to jump over to succeed in network marketing? Because it's simple, but as we know, it's not easy.
0: Yeah, so there was a couple of hurdles. One is not having a paycheck, you know, right away was like, oh, my God. Plus, I felt I wasn't very disciplined back then with working from home. So I would get distracted and do stuff around the house. And now I'm like, so like, this is my office and it's very different. But back then that was hard. But the hardest thing for me, Lois, was that I was paid really well on Wall Street to be assertive and aggressive and relentless. That I mean, I was paid super well to do that, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a touchy-feely business at all. And when I started in network marketing, and I was with a health and wellness company, and I was working with people around their health and well-being, coming across that way didn't work. But I didn't know how to be any different. So I guess (laughs) I could really, I, I, I guess I have to blame, you know, those, you know the old habits that I had from Wall Street, but I didn't know any different. So it took me a while to realize that I couldn't keep coming from my head and being so corporate. I had to share more of my heart and come more from that feminine. We all have the feminine and masculine in us. And I was so coming from the masculine because that's how I was rewarded. It's like Pavlov's dogs. You do something, you get rewarded. You do something again, you get rewarded. And that's how I was. And I didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to show up in this entrepreneurial network marketing health and wellness world so it took me a while to figure it out but then once i realized it wasn't about me it was about them and they people wanted to feel me like they wanted to, me to be open and authentic with them and connect with them on a heart-to-heart basis and that's what changed everything for me when i started you know showing up that way so that was a huge huge uh, challenge that i had to overcome
1: well, good for you for having overcome it, because many people do not, and you just proved one of the um, truisms about network marketing—that it's a personal development program with a compensation plan attached. That yes. you had to—you had to grow as a person in order to succeed in that industry financially, and you did achieve a uh, pretty substantial success with network marketing, didn't you? Didn't you?
0: I did. I did. With one of the companies, I built the fastest growing team in the history of the company. And I had 1000s of consultants, you know, all over the world who I was working with. So yes, I because I was I was I guess I was a born leader. So I loved speaking, I loved presenting. And I loved, you know, working with a team. So yeah, I I achieved success very quickly with this company.
1: Mm. Now, you may have touched a little bit on this already. But Perhaps we can elaborate more. In your early days in network marketing, what was the self talk, the story that was hindering your early progress? I mean, it was, you, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go on. Go on. Well, because you've described the behavior, but was there also something that was telling you, you know, I'm not good at this or whatever? What was a story that you remember that could have stopped you from going on and succeeding?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So when when I was coming on so strong and turning people off and not knowing at that point that that's what was happening, there were times where I said, oh, maybe I should just go back to Wall Street. Like I was so successful there and I'm really struggling here. You know, maybe this isn't right for me. So that was one issue. And then when I thought I had made progress coming more from the heart and, and softening and coming more from that feminine, and then I would get feedback from someone, like a potential customer or somebody I was talking to that I was, you know, coming across pushy or salesy, I would get really like, is this ever gonna go away? Like I thought I was making so much progress. Like I, I was getting very frustrated because I thought I was, you know, making strides, but then I would get this feedback. And so it was a process for me. It took, it took time. And there's always gonna be someone that's gonna think that you're being pushy or salesy, even if you're not, because they have their issues. But I finally figured it out, and I have a whole philosophy now that I coach my clients with that, so they'll never be perceived as being pushy or salesy. So those were a couple of issues that I had to, to overcome.
1: Those are big issues. How long did it take you before you realized that you were really on the other side of it, and you were on, it became more natural and easy for you?
0: Oh, my gosh. I don't know. This is so long ago now. Um, it, it probably took several years because it mm-hmm. was a journey. It wasn't like I woke up all of a sudden like, oh, it's gone now. Now I'm always coming across perfectly, you know, and I'm always serving my, you know, person, you know, client's needs and I'm never going to think I'm pushy. So it, it took a while. It definitely, it was a journey. It was a process, and everything that we need to work on in our lives and change and improve it, it's always a process and i think people especially overachievers like me i want it all now like i want to <laughs> i don't want to wait i get impatient i want to make the changes now because i knew what they were you know i knew what the issues were i just needed it took me a while to find the correct coaching and support to help me to to get to where i wanted to go
1: wonderful What was your darkest personal moment, Debbie? A moment of doubt, a moment of fear? Well,
0: what happened was we... uh, You know, I was doing well in network marketing, and my husband was a high-end custom home builder in the San Francisco Bay Area. And when the market crashed, we lost everything. Like, I mean, everything. And things got so bad that we were forced to file bankruptcy. So it was, I mean... Oh, my God, talk about humiliation and depression. And uh, I can't even come up with the words to describe how horrific it was. And at that moment, it was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I never got to the point where I wanted to commit suicide, but I just didn't know what I was lost. I was so lost. And so for me, that was the darkest moment in my life that I didn't know you know, I just doubted myself. I was really afraid of the future because we were left with nothing and starting from scratch. And of course, when you go through something like that, or when I went through that difficult time, I couldn't be a leader to my team as well. And so that started, you know, that business started languishing and my husband's business was gone. And so, it was really really a low a low point in our lives. I'll I'll never forget the actual darkest moment. I think of the whole thing was we moved into our friend's apartment cuz we had to get out of a, a home. We had to get out of our house in 48 hours. We had to move a 5000 square foot home in 48 hours. And our friends had a a second home and they were they were gone so we were able to move into their place and we went down to a Starbucks cuz there was no internet. We had to start looking for a place to rent. And I remember just sitting there, just bawling, like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I was exhausted. I was just, um, I I can't, again, I can't come up with the words. It was just horrific. I said, we just need to go back to the house. I can't do this now. So that was probably the darkest moment I've ever had in my life.
1: Mm. I could feel it while you were talking about it. Would you think now if you look back that one of the very difficult things that will create an emotional upheaval is that, yeah, the finances are definitely devastating, but that your whole sense of identity is now kind of shattered. Like the things that identified who you are, what you're good at, those things are gone.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very true. It was it was humiliating to to, because we had this big, beautiful home and- All of our friends, you know, had big, beautiful homes. And now all of a sudden we had nothing. Mm. And so, yeah, it was it was a huge um, emotional um, devastation, really. How how many years ago was that? Uh, That was five, a little over five years ago, five years ago this past February.
1: Well, you've come a long way since then. Yes. How how did you begin to move past it?
0: The first thing I did was uh, reach out to a mentor, to a coach. I had met this woman. She had spoken at an event that I was at, and I won the drawing for a free coaching session with her. Talk about divine intervention, right? And I got on the phone with her, and she was amazing and already started helping me. And she invited me to an event, of hers, that I couldn't even afford to go. She invited me as her guest, and I figured it out, and I got there. And um, she offered a coaching program, a year program which I couldn't afford because I had no money. But miracles happen. That's a whole other longer story, but I ended up being able to work with her. And she helped pull me out of that deep hole. And I'm so grateful for the support that I received from her because I don't I couldn't do it alone. I was trying for years to do it alone. I was a victim. I was depressed, I couldn't do it, and she, that was the turning point in my life, and I would not have launched this business if it wasn't for her as well, so it was, um, that was the game changer, reaching out to a coach, because we can't do these things alone. What What is her name? Tracy Ta- Trottenberg. And she's still working? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I still work with her.
1: Fantastic. I do all my,
0: the, inner, the inner work, the inner game stuff through her, and then, you know, I have a business coach who helps me with the outer more practical you know business side of things
1: fantastic now how did you discover and develop your particular expertise as a networker as a network marketer you mean no i'm talking more about as well i know it's related to your network marketing work but i mean more as you learned how to succeed as a networker that eventually led to you becoming the master of follow-up?
0: Okay, well, I've always, one of my strengths has always been building relationships in person. I love people and I love networking. And so I would go to events, you know, with my network marketing business and and I would always have um, a booth at, at an event when I could. So I was always a vendor and I loved, I loved to network and build relationships and, and have fun with other women. So I attracted people to me and that's how I built my network marketing business, actually through networking. And so it was just, and I saw what people were doing wrong and how they weren't getting the results that they wanted, and how they were coming across Pushing Salesy when they were networking. And as I was on my journey that I was sharing before about coming more from the heart and from that feminine place, I you know created a whole system around networking and how to network more effectively, so that it's about building relationships and that you're not going to sell your stuff when you show up there did that okay. did that answer
1: your question well that that is that is yeah. definitely the foundation i I agree it's an important part of it, but I know that you then developed it even further, refined it so that you you began to understand that important missing ingredient in so many people's networking, which is the follow-up. Yeah. So can you describe how you came to discover that?
0: Oh, that's a very interesting story. So I was at a women's conference as a vendor for my network marketing business. So I had the wellness products on the table and this woman came up and she was very interested in the products but wasn't ready to make a decision. So she asked me to follow up with her which I did for 14 months, (laughs) and not a lot of people do that. It's a long time to follow up with somebody. But finally, she became a customer, she and her husband, and I continued to follow up with them like I always did with every new customer. And one day, she left me a message, and she said, Debbie, you've got to teach me your follow-up system. You're amazing at it, and I don't have a system. Like, we need to talk. So I didn't think anything of it. we got on the phone like a couple of weeks later and she said, Debbie, nobody follows up with me like you do. You have a gift. People are struggling with this. You've got to do something about it. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I just didn't get it. Louis. like, I just didn't understand. And one thing led to the next. And I ended up launching this business because of her um, belief and encouragement and support around this whole thing. And what she said was so true. Like, This is the missing piece for so many entrepreneurs and and also for people in sales and corporate. And it can literally make or break one's business. So I didn't know people were struggling. And now I'm finding like everybody pretty much struggles with this. There's always like no one ever says to me, I'm awesome at follow up. And so it was the missing piece. And it was what I was always really good at on Wall Street, not realizing it. But looking back, it was my relationship building skills and providing value and follow up, which was the basis of my success there. And so I just looked back on what I did. And I, I created the system, I had already been living the system, but I created it. And, and now I coach others on how to build a, you know, to be more confident and efficient with their follow up, and uh, convert more of their context into clients without feeling salesy.
1: I love it. Why do you think the majority of people are weak on follow up?
0: I think it's because most people, especially in network marketing, they're so passionate about their products and their company they love the family the, the sense of community, but they've never they don't have the business skills they were never you know some of them have not worked in the corporate world and even people in the corporate world they don't have the business skills they don't know how to run a business and so that's where I come in because it's great to be passionate about what you're offering and to have products or services that are really great to offer. But if you don't know how to follow up and do it in a way where you're not being salesy or pushy, you can You can only get so far.
1: I agree. Is there, do you think, a powerful internal story that interferes with a person following up?
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I hear this over and over and over again. So people, first, a lot of people, I ask the question all the time, you know, do you feel like you're being salesy and pushy when you follow up? And they all raise their hand. So people have this story that they're being salesy or pushy, and they might be or they might not be, but they think sales in sales they have to be pushy and they don't want to do it. It doesn't feel authentic to who they are. A lot of people make up stories about their potential clients. Oh, they don't have the time to talk to me or... They make too much money. They wouldn't need a network marketing business or they don't have enough money. They can't afford my products or services. So there's all these stories going on that stop people. And then fear of rejection is a key, key thing that that stops people. So there's a tremendous amount of internal beliefs, limiting beliefs that stop people dead in their tracks. And so I work with my clients to help them. Um, identify what that is for them and help them break through it.
1: You really went to the core of something that's, that's vital with this, with your answer. What are your views on rejection? <laughs> is, it, is it real?
0: You know, people think that they're being rejected, but the person isn't rejecting you. They're rejecting what you're offering. and Or it could be the way you've offered it to them. And so that's why when you do business in a way that's serving the other person's needs constantly, and uh, not pushing your agenda, not being attached to your agenda, then you're going to show up um, a lot, a lot, uh, you know, different, Mm -hmm. you're going to show up a lot different. So that's, that's really key.
1: I love what you just said, because I understand that intellectually myself, that, I'm not personally being rejected, and as much as I know it, I will find myself at times getting upset, getting angry, resentful, and then I stop and I go, well, I'm taking it personally. Why am I taking it personally? It isn't about me, but that's powerful stuff because it can stop many, many people. Yes.
0: And one more thing about that. So when you say it's not about me, I think it's really good for everyone to take a look again at who they're being and how they're showing up and to make sure they're not coming across pushy or salesy. And then if that gets eliminated and that's not part of the equation, then, then it's about them. And it's about them not needing or wanting what you have or not understanding the value of it. So there's some tweaks and adjustments you can make Just to make sure, like, did I relay to them accurately and powerfully enough the benefits of what I have to offer? Did I ask enough questions to find out what they really needed and then uh, offered solutions to their problems? You know, so you can ask yourself some questions like that just to make sure. And then after that, they're not rejecting you. And so you have to just go next. Everything is a numbers game. It all is. I and mean, My son's looking for a job right now, and it's a numbers game. How many knows? Because we were just talking about this in the car, about that the rejection can get tough. And it's like, you know what? You are so employable, and if you get rejected, you want to just say, you know what? This wasn't the right job for me. Thank you, God. And the be- you know I'm open to receiving the best job for me. And so if, if a potential customer or someone says no, you want to be grateful because you know, whatever you believe in, God, universe, higher source, whatever, you know, higher power you believe in, they're sparing you from potentially a lot of grief and a lot of headache um, Mm -hmm. by having, by having this person say no. So I look at it now that way. And it's, I was sharing this with my son. We just had this conversation that for me, it's like, okay, thank you. And who's next. And, you know, thank you for sparing me. And now I'm open to receiving the, the best client, the best Customer, the best new team member for me. And so I had that happen in my business. Not everybody says yes to wanting to work with me. So it's like, thank you, God. That would have been a headache. And I'm open now to finding my perfect client who I love to work with, who's going to love working with me. Mm -hmm. So that really helps with the rejection.
1: Uh, Let's have some fun here for a moment. Imagine that I'm um, a prospect of yours. And that I haven't told you no whenever you've called me. I've always had some excuse or some reason why I wasn't ready to do business with you, and now you're calling me for the fifth time. What would it sound like? What would you What would that conversation sound like from your end?
0: Well, I have a process when I... Uh, first meet someone if they're interested in working with me I offer a complimentary session and it's a very deep profound conversation where I really get to know a lot about them internally and what's going on in their business so I we get to connect on a very deep level and so I know a lot about them and I don't if we've already gone through that process it's not going to be five times because I'm either going to get a yes or a no because of the questions that I ask So it's all about getting very curious and asking powerful questions so that you can find out if this person is really like a no just for right now, but there's a time in the future that you can follow up with them. So I'll always ask them. And sometimes they're just a no, and I'd rather know that early on than waste my time. So I have a series of questions and conversations that I have with people so that I, um, know what they what they're really thinking and feeling inside but with other people if I've met someone and they've expressed interest in having a conversation with me but they haven't returned the call and I'm on my fifth call I'll say something like when we first met you had expressed a lot of interest in having whatever I always repeat back what they said so if they said that they were really struggling with follow-up they didn't know what to say or what to do or they don't feel comfortable networking. Whatever they said, I will play that back because I take really good notes and I write everything down. And I look at those notes before the call, so I'll play back. You had expressed a lot of interest in uh, in, in uh, getting some support in these areas. Please let me know if that's changed, and if it has changed, no problem. I just don't want to waste your time or mine. So we have a if a, you know if it's a voicemail, I'll leave that. But if we have a conversation, I'll just say, are you still looking for support in this area? And if they say, no, I'm not, it's like, great. You know, I'll, I'll ask for a referral. And if they say, I am still looking for support, then I'll offer them the complimentary session so that we can, you know, go deeper and I can see if I'm a good, you know, if we're a good fit for each other. I love it. I
1: love it. I can feel it when you're saying it, that it's definitely not pushy. It's 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 honest and it's giving the that person uh, on the other end of this conversation, the option to say yes or no, and that that's a big, big uh, plus. It doesn't feel at all manipulative. It's wonderful.
0: No, it's just being curious. It's always about curiosity, and you want to know what people are feeling and and thinking. And if they if they're afraid to say no to you, and that's why they've been putting you off, this gives them the permission and makes it safe for them to say you know what, I'm not interested in, in working with you right now. And that's totally fine. I'd much rather know so that energetically I'm not constantly thinking about this person in the back of my mind. It's an energetic pull. When you know somebody's a no, then that's it. You can let go of it. And you're not, you know, holding on or potentially hoping that this person will be a yes. They've told you.
1: Debbie, I just realized you've given amazing dating advice.
0: Uh, exactly exactly you can use this anywhere you just want to ask questions and get curious and make it okay for them to say no that's the key make it okay and safe because that's why people don't say no especially friends and family they'll put you off before they'll say no but if you say you know what this business isn't for everyone these products are not for everyone I know you could really benefit but if this is not for you it's okay to say, no, please let please let me know. I don't want to waste your time or mine. We're all super busy. And then they'll usually tell you the truth.
1: Mm. If you were speaking to someone who is in the health and wellness network marketing arena, because many, many people are, what basic questions would you tell that network marketer to start using when they meet somebody, as opposed to going in and, just you know gushing about how wonderful their product or business is
0: So are you talking about like there someone's at a networking event and it's the first time they're meeting a person yeah,
1: or yeah or yeah okay. exactly and 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 so let's say'm I'm, I'm a network marketer and I'm in health and wellness and I met somebody what would be a great way to find out if that person I just met is even a candidate for what I have?
0: Well, if they're also a, uh, an entrepreneur and they have an, a business, I would what I always recommend, and this is just part of my, my coaching with my clients, is to not start talking about what you do, but to ask them lots of questions, find out about their business and, and their family and just get to know them. And if it's a good fit and you, you like them and want to build a relationship, to get together with them for a get-to-know-you cup of coffee, and there you just share A little bit about what you each do and if that person's interested they're gonna they're gonna light up and go you know what I'm really interested in what you're talking about and that's happened to me so many times because you're not trying to sell them you're not trying to get them as a client you want to educate each other so that you can refer people to each other and then it's just such a so they don't feel defensive like they're being sold to (coughs) excuse me so that's that's how I recommend it's a whole different approach
1: I love it. It's, um, it's a very powerful paradigm shift.
0: Yes, big time. Because most people go to a networking event to sell and to get clients. And of course, we all want more clients. But if you go with that uh, mindset, it's going to be an energetic turnoff. People will detect it. I had one of my clients go to a, um, a big conference that I was speaking at. And she, she said people were so desperate with her when they were networking with her so desperate they were so needy it was such a turnoff and she said you know she's learned all the right ways and more effective ways to network from working with me and she learned all of the reasons why and all the things you don't want to do by being at that event so people energetically will pick up on it if you're if you're coming across pushy
1: Mm, this is wonderful this is wonderful um very profound advice for people who is your ideal client, Debbie?
0: Well, my ideal client are people in the network marketing industry for the reasons I mentioned earlier, because they're so passionate and they're wonderful people. They have huge, huge hearts to help others, but they don't have the business skills and the sales skills. So I love to help them, you know, reach their dreams and, and goals with their business because I love the network marketing industry. I think it's the most amazing way to to help others and all ships rise with the tide and it's just such a win-win to you know have that freedom to be home with your family to not have to report to a boss and all those things that we all love about network marketing and so I love working with people in that industry and a high very the majority of the people I work with happen to be in the network marketing industry and then I also have fabulous clients who are coaches and professional organizers and business consultants, financial advisors. So I have all sorts of clients. I love working you know, with entrepreneurs. And I love working with, with network marketing teams as well. Getting into companies and working with a whole team. Because if everyone's on the same page, doing the follow-up, and, and uh, they, have, they have a step-by-step process in place, their organizational volumes are going to shoot through the roof and everybody's going to thrive.
1: Yeah, I can see that. That's, um, you're giving people a workable system that duplicates.
0: Exactly. It's very, very duplicatable. And that's, it, the, that's the key in network marketing. As you know, as a leader, Lewis, is it's all about duplication. So you have to have a system that's easy to do, that's duplicatable, that everybody, everybody can, can find it's easy to do.
1: hmm Thank you for that. Where do you see yourself in five years, Debbie? Wow.
0: Well, in five years, I really see myself being hired by network marketing companies as their, you know, sales and follow up trainer. That would be just fabulous to do, and uh, and also to have more of a national and worldwide presence. I'm I'm like the best kept secret. A lot of people know me in my community here in the Bay Area, but I want to be known as the queen of follow up. Like, you know, that's that's what I want to be known as around the world. I want to be speaking on, you know, big stages, um, and impacting a lot more people. I'm playing a very small game right now and I want to impact, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people.
1: What would have to be the first giant step for you to move in that direction?
0: I think, well, there's two things. There's the, uh, well, just being, introduced and and I'm meeting leaders all the time I'm being referred to leaders at network marketing companies all the time who have big teams I mean that's how you and I met which is great and uh, and then just finding uh, bigger conferences to to speak on because up until now I have not had to seek out one speaking opportunity people hear about me and they call me and so now I need to reach out and get outside my backyard and find the bigger uh, conferences and workshops and events where where, entre- where entrepreneurs are and, and network marketing conferences as well. That would be awesome to uh, be able to speak at. I know there's, there's organizations that they're they catering towards the leaders in network marketing and they, they bring all these leaders together. So those are some of the places that, that I want to start speaking at.
1: Have you been introduced to or... Is there a way for you to be introduced to the people who run Networking Times magazine? Mm,
0: yeah, that's a great yeah, that's a great idea. I know uh, about that.
1: They're they're lovely. That's a lovely couple. Uh a note about them. I've been subscribing to that magazine now for about ten years. And if I ever call their head office, Chris, who actually runs the magazine, answers the phone. Jeez. I mean, it, yeah, it blows my mind. I go, really? Yeah. Or his uh, wife, I believe she they're married, Josephine, Josephine Gross, um, will answer the phone. And they're very, very approachable people. But I believe that that you have a great expertise and you're an article about what you do and what you offer would be very powerful in that magazine, and um, be very valuable. They may just be open to that, and that can make a huge difference, because that magazine is read around the
0: world. That's awesome. Thank you. It's a great idea. Mm
1: I will look into it.
0: I will look into it.
1: Now I'm going to be the the typical network marketer here. Debbie, if you didn't have to ever work again, what would you do?
0: (laughs) I would travel I love love to travel and I would want to live um I'd want to live in uh, Nantucket half the year which is a beautiful island that we love to go to back in Massachusetts and I would love to live in Italy uh, part of the year and then in the Bay Area so I just would have more freedom to just you know travel and and uh And actually, with the work I do, I can be anywhere, and I'm actually going to be planning on spending a couple months in Italy in the next year or two and continuing to do my coaching from there. So I have that flexibility, which is wonderful.
1: You know what I really love about your answer? It's so specific. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. What are your favorite books? What books would you love to recommend to people?
0: Actually, can I just back up for one sec? Because you just said something that I think is super important. Would that be okay? Sure. So the specificity that you just recommend, that you just pointed out, I recommend that everyone get very specific in their their vision for their future and their dreams. And I have been very, very specific about things I wanted to create. And uh, there was a, what happened was when my son got into Brown University seven years ago my dream was to take him to italy when he graduated and when he graduated we were in the midst of this you know financial disaster and we couldn't go we couldn't even give him a present and i even in the darkest moments i would visualize this trip to the minutest detail like us going through security and doing a happy dance and having a group hug because we always used to do group hugs when he was little and sitting on the airplane, we all sat in our specific seats, like everything was visualized. I I mean it. And getting off the plane in Rome. And we, because of that, I did that all day long whenever I had a free moment. Even when I had no idea how it was ever going to happen, I still visualized it. And last year we went on that trip. And I did everything that I visualized. We went through security, I did my happy dance, we did the group hug, like everything. And so we have to be very specific with what we want to create or else we're not going to create it or it might take a lot longer to create. But I am very specific. I'm, our next thing is we're going on a safari um, for two weeks next year. Like that's the next thing that I'm going to create. And I'm very clear about it. I'm very specific.
1: Thanks for that. You just described in detail the law of attraction.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. That was great. What are your favorite books?
0: Well, uh, The Science of Growing Rich by Wallace Waddles is a really, really cool book. I really like that book a lot. There's a lot of spiritual stuff in there. So that's one of my favorite books. And then uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I love reading books on mindset and um, abundance.
1: Wallace Wattles uh, was before
0: Napoleon Hill, correct? I believe so. Yeah, that's, they're both really old books.
1: Uh-huh. Well, they're excellent, excellent choices. You
0: have a book, don't you? I am go- I'm working on it. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but I'm in the process of writing it. Is there a
1: working title? Not yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Not yet. I think I'm going to have to follow up with you on that.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, you will.
1: Do you have any favorite quotes?
0: Well, Thomas Edison had an amazing quote that I love, and it's, many of life's failures are experienced by people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up.
1: Whoa, say that again.
0: (laughs) Many of life's failures are experienced by people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. So Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison had what's, 300 or so failures. I don't even know what the number was, but it's crazy. And uh, yeah, we're sometimes so close and we give up.
1: That has now become one of my favorite quotes. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. How can people contact you?
0: Well, they can contact me at uh, Debbie at PowerUpYourFollowUp.com. Debbie at powerupyourfollowup.com. That is the best way to contact me. Also my website, powerupyourfollowup.com. There's a uh, contact me uh, tab there as well.
1: Beautiful. Any final thoughts that you would like to leave our storytellers with?
0: Well, I have a free gift. Is it okay for me to offer this to your audience?
1: Absolutely. But you know, before you do that, I do have another question for you. Okay. If you were to cook your favorite gourmet uh, specialty, what would it be?
0: (laughs) Roast duck with orange sauce and bing cherries.
1: There you go. The woman is specific.
0: (laughs) With wild rice.
1: (laughs) She, She didn't hesitate. What kind of salad would we have with that? (laughs)
0: baby greens with my homemade dressing no vinegar
1: okay now that i'm hungry what about dessert
0: oh gosh well i'm trying not to eat sugar these days but if i was i would make a fruit tart
1: what kind of fruit
0: oh boy we're getting very specific i like well apple tart i love apple tarts but mixed fruit mixed berries is also one of my favorites
1: I just enjoyed an entire meal. This was great <laughs> without even without even gaining a pound. Debbie, what is your free gift for our storytellers?
0: yes, yes. if If anyone out there is looking you know to improve their business and they want to learn some follow-up tips, I have a free guide called uh, Four Action Steps to Increase Sales Fast without Being Salesy. And it's so easy. You can just take out your cell phone and go to where you would text and put in this number, 925-204-2434. 925-204-2434. And and you put in guide, G-U-I-D-E, and it will ask for your name and your email, and it will show up in your inbox momentarily. And then every Friday, on follow-up Friday, as I call it, you'll get a very short video tip about follow-up, something that you can implement that week to keep top follow-up top of mind. So it's just my gift to your listeners today.
1: That is very valuable. Thank you again. 925-204-2434. And could you please repeat the, the, the um, name of, of the guide? But the yeah, name- just put
0: in guide, G-U-I-D-E, just the word guide.
1: I got that. I just wanted to know for my own benefit the actual title of of
0: it. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. Four Action Steps to Increase Sales Fast Without Being Salesy.
1: And on top of that gift, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to offer our storytellers today?
0: Well, yes. And that is to never give up. Because I came so close to getting a Wall Street job. I came so scaringly close to getting... Hired by this Wall Street company, and I'm so glad and grateful that I didn't. And my mission, my purpose for my why for doing the work I do now is to make sure that everyone holds on to their dreams and never gives up. And so, if I can be part of that journey, I would love to support all of you and uh, just keep going. If you're passionate about something, you found what you love, just don't, you know, just persist and and know you can do it, and don't give up, and follow follow your dreams.
1: Thank you so much for the incredible value you've offered today. What I particularly love is that from your tone, I hear that this is coming not out of your head as um, buzz, you know, like the latest fad, but it's coming out of your heart from your Personal experience, and that makes all the difference in the world.
0: Mm, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's been my great pleasure. <laughs> Mine too. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. It was super fun. I really appreciate your invitation.
1: And I'm going to really appreciate your invitation to the duck dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again, storytellers, for spending this enriching time with me and Debbie Hoffman. I know that you got a lot from today's show. Whether you're a network marketer, an entrepreneur, or just a person in business who is looking to expand your sphere of influence, Debbie delivered massively today. Share this. Pay it forward. Let people know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And always remember that at that podcast website, you will be able to get a free downloadable ebook Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Regarding Audible, our very generous sponsor, Debbie gave us an amazing couple of books. Absolutely Think and Grow Rich should be in every person's library, whether you're interested in business or not. And it shouldn't be a book that you read just once, but a book that you delve into, study, and then apply. Apply what you learn. Because it is a total life changer. The great news is that you can get a free copy of it in an audio format at Audible. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and download your free copy of that book or choose from 180,000 titles. Absolutely free, no obligation, plus a one-month free trial to all of Audible's incredible service. Definitely continue to send in your comments about what you're getting from this show and what you'd like to see in shows going forward. Communicate with me at lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Today, one of the things that stood out for me in Debbie's message to everyone was the fact that she consistently jumped into things even though she didn't know what the next step was going to be. She took on challenging jobs and started new enterprises with just a sense of belief and confidence. Think about Your own life. Think about the things that you'd love to do, and then ask Am I holding myself back because I don't think that I have everything in place? And remember that you will never have everything in place. Take your lead from Debbie Hoffman. Step forward into the darkness. Take that first step. And to help you do that, ask yourself. How can I change my story and change my life?
0: Tune in to the next episode of Luis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.